Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to discuss the range modifiers that we're going to apply to um, this turn? I mean, I was thinking... No, 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 no. Um, I was thinking more like, can I tell you about how I, I widen my stance and like really get firmly rooted into the ground as like you see my shoulders tense when I'm drawing the bow back because it's my father's bow and I've had to work up the strength in my arms to really get that going so that I can like pull that arrow all the way back because I know I just want to make this one really far shot. Okay, so far range is going to be a minus 20 to uh to your check and cue music and welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I'm your host, Phil, who likes a little bit of crunch with his narrative. And I am your other host, Zenda, who is pretty much a straight narrative kind of gal. I think that's just not the right term I would use. Straight narrow. Oh, okay. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. How would you, I mean, I mean, I just I like, I just don't think what I just, when you say when I don't think straight when I think of, yeah, you. applies, yeah. it doesn't really. So I, you like your bowl of narrative with some like crunch sure. sauce over the top of it. I like my bowl of narrative plain. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Crunch sauce is interesting. I don't know. Okay, what if it? What if it's the the crunch is inherently in it like a swirl through it, right? Because sure. I'm really talking about ice cream, as you all know. I know of you got me on that thing with the with the chili flake and the and the vanilla ice cream. Right, right. Oh. I like my ice cream with some chili flake on top. No, no, we're drifting. But, we're drifting. Let me. All okay. Right, all right, anyway, all right. let's tighten it all back up before we confuse okay, our listeners. Good. It might Carrying just on. be interest. It might be just easier for us to explain our topic. Our topic tonight is from Ryan Bolter on Twitter, who asked us, um, "How would you go about adding narrative RPG mechanics or concepts to crunchier games to decrunchify them a bit? Um, might be a fun topic. Also, you get to say decrunchify, and that's always a plus." Yes, it is. I'm going to name the episode Decrunchify. I'm going to tell you that good I'm going to tell you that this topic literally got picked because we were going to get to say the because word Because of the decrunchify. word Decrunchify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were we were reviewing topics and I was like Decrunchify is not even a word until it is now. <laughs> but in order to do I that, mean, we're going to have to set up some definitions for tonight's talk. Sure. Um, so let me jump yeah. in. Um, let's start. Let's start with we can't decrunchify until we explain crunch. True. So um, crunch is a term that is often used um, to describe mechanics, um, and it is often used to describe heavy or complex mechanics, such as boy that champions game sure is crunchy. Y- yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> And and I don't like that term's been around for a, a long, long time. Like, and it's and to be clear, it is not a quantitative term. It is a qualitative term because um, there is no like critical mass of rules that makes a game um, become crunchy. Um, 
it just is like people just assign it as they feel it. So uh, also um, your, your level of crunch um, of what you consider crunchy may vary from what other people consider crunchy. Yes. All right. Next one is narrative. I mean, look, we all know this is the not mechanical part of the game. This is the descriptions and the dialogue and the story and all of that that occurs within a role-playing game. Right. Um, so that is also sometimes known as fluff. Yes, which I, crunch, which I say hate fluff. Yep. because fluff is a connotation that makes it sound like um, it, it is it frivolous sound- and like and not meaningful. Yes, which is absolutely untrue. Which is why but, which is why I won't use the term fluff because of that connotation. Fair enough. But you will frequently heard it hear it yes, as a comparison point. Crunch and fluff, yep. right? Okay. Um so games that um that are very narrative to my mind would be things like yes that I talk about all the time, um, or our game connections, which you know, you stack dice to tell a story. Well, and to be fair, if we're gonna oh, and I, I mentioned champions, so yeah, that's fair. Yes, champions I think is an excellent represent representation of crunch. And I think it's one that um probably within a standard deviation people would think is a crunchy everybody game. would agree is is crunchy yes one standard yeah, deviation no, you, you, either side, yeah. yeah you said that so i said an example yeah perfect okay cool carry on <laughs> so now to get to the title of the uh of the episode decrunchify yes um decrunchify could have a couple different meanings um the first meaning could be to actually remove the crunch of the game um, thus decreasing the amount of crunch in a game. Um, but that one is probably pretty dangerous um, and not something we're going to go into tonight. That would be just basically hacking your game to pull out crunch. And that um, that's worthy of its own episode because all sorts of things can go wrong um, when you just start hacking rules out of a game. Um it can be done. It just needs to be done with some testing and, and some, you know, sometimes some forethought about what you're taking out. Right. But rather what were the term for decrunchify that we are going to use will be its second, um, uh, definition, which will be to increase the amount of narrative, uh, thus increasing the narrative to crunch ratio and -hmm. making the game appear to be less crunchy, because it now is a bit more narrative. And to yes. that, I'm now going to bring up something that we talked about during our pre-show prep, which is the idea that in any given game, there is a in a certain amount of crunch and a certain amount of narrative that gets spoken by people. If we were to observe a gaming table and like record the timing of when like when people talked and what they were saying, like we would in general, right? So taking out things like meta chatter and like I have to go to the bathroom talk and stuff like that. Yeah. During a game, basically one of two things is happening. Either we are talking in the narrative, right? We're talking about like, you know, I move down the hall, I listen to the door, I, you know, I confront the baron on his duplicity, whatever. Okay, those are all very, those are narrative things. Or we're talking about crunch. I have a plus two to picking locks. I'm going to roll the die. I got an 18. Does that beat the DC? I am going to uh, flank this opponent, thus getting my bonus. 
I'm going to invoke this aspect. Um, in fact, I'm going to invoke this aspect and I'm going to go ahead and uh, spend a fate point and use this aspect. That is crunch, mm-hmm. right? So within a given game and how a group plays a game, there is going to be a certain amount of crunch talk and a mm-hmm. certain amount of narrative talk within a game. Games yes. that are crunchy tend to have more talk about the crunch. Um, if we're playing something that has like a many step combat uh, resolution, then we are in that crunch talk as we are going through the various steps of the combat till we get to, you know, until we resolve it. Um, if we're playing a game that has lighter rules, like a yes or connections, then we're actually, we're talking less about the mechanics of the game and we're actually just talking more narrative, right? So in any given game run by any given game group, because a game group will absolutely influence um, this, there is like a little pie chart, right? Of, yeah. of crunch and narrative. So yes. what we're going to talk about tonight is how to change the pie chart to yes. make it less crunch talk and more narrative talk. Yes. Um, without ripping out rules from the game. Correct. Okay. Yes, because that is a whole other like. Mm, I mean, really, when it comes right down to it, we can. I think we may have had this conversation before. There is a certain amount of like, is it worth ripping things out of the game, or are you just playing need to be the playing wrong a different game. game? Correct. Right. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> there is a diminishing. So there is a diminishing point I, of returns on hacking a game before you should just go find another game. We have definitely talked. We've about definitely that talked before about that. on an episode, and yes. we've talked about it in panels and things like that as well. Yeah, there yeah, is a yeah. critical yeah. mass by which you should just go find another game. Yes, correct. <sighs> okay, that all said, let me say the following: Crunch is not bad. As yeah. as indie game players, people might have the thought that we like we shun crunch in games. We do not. Crunch is not bad. It is a thing. There are plenty of people in the role-playing community who derive their primary enjoyment of a game through the crunch of the game. They like playing the mechanics of the game. They like, you know, rolling those dice, getting those modifiers, making all those mechanical game decisions. It is a 100% valid way to play RPGs. Moving along that continuum, in the middle, mm-hmm. there are people who enjoy the mechanics of a game, um, maybe not as mechanically heavy as other games, but also enjoy the narrative parts. They like to describe action. They like to describe what their character's doing or what is going on in a scene. Um, that is me. Um, I mm-hmm. actually like a nice balance of that. Um, I, I tend not to play super crunchy games but I actually like mid-range games. So something like a, a Forbidden Lands is a great example of a game that has a modest amount of crunch. It is not a light game by any means. So it no. is it is more complicated and it is, i.e., crunchier than Tales from the Loop, which is the streamlined yep. version of that mechanic. So it's sure. crunchier than Tales from the Loop. Um, but still, like when we're playing it, my game group like will often describe like what actions they're taking during combat and things like that. But then also we have to like roll all the dice and like all the many dice for, um, for that game. And then finally moving down that continuum further, uh, there are people who just don't 
want to engage a lot of crunch at all. They prefer games that have less crunch in them. So usually lighter mechanics that then um, allows for far more narrative. Yeah. And I think that's most of the time where I fall on this um, spectrum, although it is really interesting because I definitely have played, you know, at every stage along along this range. And there have been times in my life where I fell heavily into the first category, like memorized all of the rogue mechanics first for three, then three, five, then Pathfinder. Sure. Um, for many, many years, right? Um, and that was definitely a thing for me. And this is a recent thing for me <laughs> that I am like, ha, numbers. <laughs> and I will say, right? I'm also very comfortable at the uh, at the far end of that spectrum as well. Like, I have no problem playing a game with light mechanics that are that is like mostly narrative as well. Oh yeah, no, and I've really enjoyed playing them with you. Um, and and it is, and I and I also enjoy playing, you know, a game that has some crunch and also mechanics more <laughs> in balance. But if you, um, you know, if you walk up to me and send a, say, Senda, what do you want to do right now? I'm probably going to say, let's play a narrative game, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean that's right. I mean the different, like one of the differences between you and I is like, yeah, your preference would be to go play a narrative game. My yeah. preference is like, oh, I want to play so. It falls into two things. I either want to play a genre that I haven't played before, or yeah. I have seen some mechanics that I'm like, oh, I, I really just want to play with those mechanics, yeah. and I like the game that go it goes with. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The reason I bring this up is, one, I didn't want us to have a negative connotation of crunch. Crunch is a perfectly yeah, valid thing that you can like in a game. Two. It's totally, it's A, totally valid, and B, saying that something is crunchy is... A, uh, a judgment neutral statement in terms of if it is good or bad. It is only that it is mechanically heavy. Correct. Which you may or may not derive your enjoyment from. Right. It is yep. just a descriptor to help you decide if it is your kind of game or not. Yeah. Like as of today, like I do not think I would enjoy um, making a champion's character or playing champions, um, a game that I consider to be fairly crunchy. Um, but I'm more than happy to play Forbidden Lands or other Year Zero games. Um, in fact, I'm looking forward to the new Twilight 2000 game, um, which will definitely be slightly more crunchy than Forbidden Lands, but I am still pretty excited and want to run it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Our show for tonight, the rest of our advice for tonight, is really going to be apply to that middle range, the group of yes. people who both enjoy the crunch of a game and enjoy the narrative of the game and are playing a game where they would like to shrink some of the crunch talk and expand some of the narrative talk. Yes. Okay. So Mess that's like chart. where we're targeting our discussion for tonight. Yes. Okay. So cool. So then we get into the question of how can we add narrative to our already, um, to our game that already has crunch. Yes. So, there's, I mean, this is one of those interesting parts where, like, there's always narrative in a game, no matter how crunchy it actually is. In 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 in, in reciprocally, there's always a little bit of crunch somewhere in the game, no matter how narrative it is, because there's something that holds it together and makes it a game, right? Correct. So this is always a spectrum, um, but it means that you can target the parts of the game that don't lend themselves to being narrative already and then just like beef up if you want to the parts that are already narrative um, because there are some there are some spots in any game that already have um, may already have narration or at least they have the space for narration even if they aren't explicitly calling for it 
right? Yeah, and there's definitely parts of a game that are more crunchy than others. Um, typically, that is combat. Yeah. Um, and, and the way we know this is that if you pick up the rule book to a game, yes. go look and see how many pages are dedicated to various actions, right? So, yes. like, while... All right, so let me be clear, right, in case people want to get all like fussy on Twitter, right? Yes, there are more pages of magic spells than there is of a combat chapter in many games, but the actual rules for casting magic usually fit on a page or two. And the yeah. combat section of a game is often like many, many pages. Hey, many, many pages. And then there is an argument to be stated about how many of those spells are for combat. Correct. purposes yeah right because you can't tell me that fireball has a secondary use i mean i guess maybe if you were really into starting forest fires or something oh, you'd be but surprised like, creative players will always find creative players will find another use for it but it is clear that the primary purpose of that spell is, is to combat blow some shit up yes yeah so so the thing is when we're talking about like this you know these like how do we increase the narrative talk like, it's not that we're going to increase the talk of during the narrative, like the normal narrative parts of the game, right? Like, we're not going to, like, we could, like, we very easily could add some extra descriptions in our talk with the Baron, but we're sure. already being narrative in those parts of the game. Um, we're, and and what that does, I mean, it's, it's good to focus on that, right? When you're like, we're going to be more narrative. Cool. Be really narrative in the parts that are already narrative. But the other thing, if you just do the narration there and you don't expand it anywhere else, it just makes the transition more abrupt. Yes, yes. When you, you go have, from really narrative to, like, really crunchy. like <laughs> Yeah, so if we're really trying to achieve Ryan's um, target word of de-crunchify, adding, say that adding more. <laughs> more narrative to the narrative part of the game isn't really de-crunchifying. Really what no. we want to do is add narrative to the crunchy part of the game. And again... That is most likely, depending on your game, that is most likely the combat section. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some, having, except, some exceptions, but really, we're going to talk about combat. We're going to talk about combat because I think, and it is really interesting, I think many of the games whose focus is not combat tend to be more narrative because combat is like what usually requires all that crunch that's a whole different we could go down that that's rabbit hole i haven't actually thought that through it's just a knee-jerk reaction so someone is going to come up with a, a one that is not true but it'd like, be fun to design a game where the combat system's like super easy but everything else in the game is really crunchy really hard <laughs> anyway all of that aside here are some ideas um, some of these are, I mean, they, they're sort of geared towards how would you, you know, update your combat to have more narrative. But I think that if you wanted to, you could expand them outwards, right? Oh, but to we anywhere sort of where focusing. you have crunch. Yeah. Anywhere that we'll, there's crunch. We'll talk primarily as we go through these examples, we'll talk primarily about them being about applied combat. to combat, but yeah. really they could be applied to a spell or to a skill check or right. a casting of a spell. Um, any one of those things. Anywhere in there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, for cool. sure. Okay, so um, cool. So of course, the easy one, since you want narration, narr eh, you want narrative dialogue. So the easy one is to make sure that our, um, that you are describing actions, right? So you can add narration, obviously, when you are describing what you're going to do in combat or in a situation. You can say, "I run at him with my sword, screaming," instead of just, "I want to stab him with my sword." 
Um, and there's another piece to this, um, which is um, sometimes really helpful when you're doing narrative stuff, which is to um, sometimes choose to add the narration after you know what the outcome of your randomizer mm-hmm. is right because then you can narrate all the way through from start to finish right you can say oh i'm gonna okay I'm, i know i'm gonna attack him with my sword let's see what happens you roll a two so you're like cool then you are describing from start to finish how you did not do that um or you might be describing up to the point of you know question the point of randomization and then describing from there but there is um so there is part of that that you you're getting the narration in there the goal here is that you don't end up repeating yourself right yeah so there's there's i think two models for that right so there's the book so the bookend model is what you were just talking Mm -hmm. about which is narration Resol- resolution narration narration right so book, so you bookend it um yes. and then there's and then there's after the role so there's there's yes. resolution narration then narration a- and i so i will say this i will say that um for variety's sake use both of these as yeah. tools right so sure. so sometimes do so sometimes do it that way um here's what here's here's the, here's how i like it if somebody is excited and they start describing how their character is doing a thing, then we're going to bookend it, right? Because they're going to let them oh, describe yeah. it up to a point and then I'm going to be like, cool, roll that. Now right? we're going to find out. And then happens, let's find yeah. out. And then after it happens, be like, cool, keep going. Yes. Um, but sometimes a player will just like kind of jump in, especially in a game that's kind of crunchier where um, narrative, like there isn't a lot of narration during uh, like combat, like, you know, like if you've played like your like 12th round of a, of a three, five or three X game, like you just yeah, stop you're describing say, things. I, I'm going to attack it with my right. sword. So yeah. what's kind of cool is then what you can do on the, on the, with the other model is on a particularly good role or a role that winds up being the killing shot to something or whatever, you can then turn to the player and be like, uh, excellent. That is like, that will kill them. What does that look like? Yeah. And that that what does that look like for narrative purposes um, in the after the fact role or the second half of the bookend um, is really key because the thing that that does is it allows you to share the narrative responsibility at the table, which does two things. Firstly, um, it means everybody is involved and invested in that narration. And secondly, it means that you, the GM, are not constantly trying to come up with a new way to describe how someone's sword sliced through them something. Because after, yeah, the 10th round of combat, like, your well is running dry and you can only describe the blood spraying or whatever you're doing, right? So like, many so ways. many ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's someone else's turn to chip in. <laughs> yeah, so one, you have these two different techniques. And then two, you've touched on another good point, which is, like, you don't have to do this every turn. Yeah. Like, it's really okay. Like, you don't... We've said this in other in other episodes. Like, I think we did when we did the one on narrative combat, right? Like, you yeah. don't have to do this every every turn. It's a lot, um, and your description doesn't have to be a paragraph every time, right? So you can vary that up. Your description might be, "Oh, you stab him through; he falls over dead," or your description might be like five sentences, and it just depends on the importance of that moment. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a verbal description. Sometimes, and I've played with players who just like, you know, like, well, no, no, they'll, they'll, they'll make the motion. Like they'll make the motion of like a downward swing of their ax. And like, I get it. 
Like, okay, cool. Sure. That's what you're doing, right? Like you're taking it. Like, I got the vision. Right. Or yeah. they're, they're coming across with the, you know, like, you know, coming like with a, you know, like an, like a cross across the body blow. Like I get it soon. Like pantomiming it is just fine. I see what, like, I see what's happening. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways to convey it. Um, those two models, right. The bookend and the, um, resolve and resolve and describe are like two, like they're great. You should use both of them, interchange them. Um, because what we don't want to have happen is in, in our effort to decrunchify this, we don't actually want to like make it tedious yes. to give narration. And the way yes. we, the way we, th- the way we make things not tedious is that we don't make them monotonous. Yes. Right. So like varying. So not always describing things is good. Using the different techniques of describing them is good. Um, varying things from lengthy descriptions to just a quick pantomime gesture is good. Like all of like, if you mix all those things in, um, you can decrunchify this area. And again, decrunchify by basically adding in some extra narration to kind of dilute the crunch. (laughs) Yes. Um, but you can do it in a way that will remain exciting through the combat. And again, these all apply to skill checks and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you don't have to have the wizard describe how they cast every spell. Every but you time. might want yeah. to have them describe something for like a really critical spell. Or the first time yeah. that they cast the spell, like they just got a new spell from leveling up. Cool. Like what does that look like so that exactly. we know going forward, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. All right, um, the next thing is to reward narrative actions mechanically, right? So implement a reward system. Um, You know, a lot of games have these already, and that's cool. Use it. Um, But if it doesn't, um, this is a rule that you can mechanically tack on, usually without consequences that are too large, but do think it through. So you you might be able to just like, you know, tack on bennies or whatever that they can spend for whatever it is, you know, inspiration, um, that that kind of thing, so that sure. the players get something mechanically for doing cool things narratively. Yeah, and I mean, if you're really nervous in, like, if you're really nervous about adding something like that and upsetting the game, um, just giving a simple bonus, right? Like, yeah. oh, this this token which you got for like good narrative descriptions. Yeah gets you like a uh, plus X, whatever, yeah. whatever a small number is in your game. That's not going to unbalance things. You, you can then take it up to the level of like a Benny, which is like, well, you can re-roll. Right. Um, and again, if you are designing your own token system um, and we actually did on the misdirected mark, a whole thing on you economies did. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the things that you want to keep in mind is um, what does it take to get one? What can you do with it to get rid of it, right? Because you want an economy, you want it to to go. And what benefit does it produce? Um, So do you want it to produce something profound? Do you want it to produce something minor? Like if your game is rather gritty, then it probably just having your token produce a minor uh, bonus is not going to upset the grid of your game. If your game is super heroic, then having that token just allow for a reroll fits right in with the like kind of theme of your game. Yeah, but absolutely. you don't want to mix those, right? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, you could you could make things really wonky, <laughs> right? And so if your game has an existing 
token system like that? Like, um, for instance, like Savage Worlds, right? So, like, say you were, mm-hmm. you know, trying to inject a little more narration into Savage Worlds, then, like, you could give a Benny, but you might, like, give yourself a rule, like, players basically get, like, a Benny an hour or a Benny every couple scenes for their good narration so that you don't kind of, like, overload them in Bennies because players who have like too many Bennies in Savage they get World, wild. They get they wild get and they can really run amok. Um, <laughs> and if that's what's I'm if that's what muck. your game is about, no problem. Then go wild. <laughs> <laughs> but if your game isn't about that, um by adding in a new but so by changing the economy, by adding in a new way to get tokens, if that is gonna pump a lot of of um tokens into your economy, you you could have a problem. So you're going to want to just kind of check these things. Yeah. You just want to achieve a balance. Yep. And you can, um, and like you said before, you can totally bolt one of these onto a game that doesn't have it. Um, yeah. Just look for the same thing applies, right? Like just don't, I'll, I'll give you a good, I'll give you a good rule of thumb. If you don't know what to assign for one of these tokens in a game, because like your game doesn't have the system, Go look in the rules and find out what the bonus is for when someone helps someone else with a skill. Yes. And use that bonus. Yep. Like that's a really easy rule of thumb that's not going to upset the balance of things, right? So if the assist on a skill check is that like you get a plus two uh, when somebody, when a person helps you, then that's what the token grants you. Grants you a plus two. Plus two. And maybe you don't give out five to every person every 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Has to be really Absolutely. good. Again, if you're going to bolt on your own system, I highly recommend go find our past episode on uh, tokens and economies, and yeah. just kind of give that a listen because it'll give you an idea of how to how to how to put together your own economy. Yes, but when okay. possible, tap into those existing economies and gently. Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna just give one more before you do your last. Um... Oh, actually, sure. you've got a couple. Do it's your all, one. all right. Here's what. Here's how I'd like to do this. Do, do the one at the bottom. Half? Okay. Then I'm going to do the one that I have at the bottom, and then you're going to do the one that you have marked as number one. Cool. That sounds great. All right. So, um, the next one is actually one of my favorite things from uh, narrative play, and it's powered by the apocalypse. Is where it comes from. And now it applies to everything in my world. Um, so that's as a GM, implement being a fan of the characters, right? Um, be their fan so that it's cool and you are excited when they narratively do cool things because that's cool and it will make them want to do cool things because you are excited about it. You're engaging with it and you are like, um, you know, playing off of them and basing on what ha- what happens in the world around them on their actions um, and the cool things that they <coughs> did, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where that one goes um, and it makes it, more likely to tell interesting stories in and out of combat because people are excited to have that interaction, right? And to give you moments to be their fan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way as you are. Like I, I, from the day I learned that phrase, I was, yeah, like, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, is, I am this, this is me. This yeah. is every, Forever. this is how I GM. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. One one can argue that one can argue that there's a lot about PBTA that is really just a codification of how um, Vincent liked to run games. Yeah, well, apparently turns out Vincent and I like to run games pretty similarly. Pretty similarly, yeah. 
All right. Um, the next piece I'm going to bring up is if you want to get people to. Um, so we talked about a, we talked about a, a token reward system that is definitely a way to incentivize people to do um, to increase narration, i.e., decrunchify. I'm just trying to get that word in as many times as we can. Yeah, decrunchify. Um, the other way to do it, and this kind of pulls from um, our narrative combat uh, episode, is that um, you can give bonuses in the middle of the turn for good narrative descriptions. So if a player describes like a particularly cool um, kind of setup to their attack, and you can then look at them and be like, oh, based on your narration, I, I'm going to grant you this bonus. Um, it's a plus two, it's advantage, it's whatever. Like you don't have to give them a token for later use. You can mm -hmm. just give them, and you can give them the reward in yeah. the moment. Yes. And just be like, ah, that excellent description earns you advantage. Go ahead and roll for advantage because you totally, based on your description, are in a place where you have that strong advantage for this attack. Yeah. And so, that's... Go ahead. I'll, yeah, I was going to say, so that's like a lot of, um, A, you can appreciate the narration as a GM, but you, it means you can also allow them to narratively set their action up in a more favorable way, right? To get that bonus. And, and I will say this, that... My guess is for players who lean a little more towards the crunch and not as much towards the story, this giving a bonus in the like right there in the turn yeah. will appeal to them more because this is a uh, player decision they can make to increase the chance of their outcome in the yeah. moment where a token, so not to get too far off topic, but token usage is often a story function. Like, not always. Some players will just use them, you know, like cold mechanically. But, like, a lot of players will hold tokens for dramatic moments, right? I want to hold on to these tokens because I want to make sure that at the, that the correct dramatic moment, the outcome I desire occurs. And so I would like to have a few bennies in reserve to make sure I can reroll until I get the outcome I want. Um, and that's okay, but that leans more back towards narrative because that's kind of really understanding the structure of a story and like when should you land that dramatic moment and all that. Whereas, hey, you described that really well. I'm going to let you roll that attack with advantage is something that a tactical player would be like, ah, if I do a good job describing things, I get a bonus towards my role here in the right moment. Now. Yeah, I, I, I agree um, but I do also and definitely have experienced myself hoarding bennies, not for any dramatic purpose, but specifically for the purpose of like, oh, God, I may need these later when we run into someone really hard. So <laughs> let's be clear. Yeah. Especially in Savage Worlds. The Benny is also the um, tool that lets you um, not die. Yes. Right. <laughs> So, so <laughs> that right there. So Savage Worlds is maybe not the best example right. of this because in, it's the not die tool. <laughs> in Savage Worlds, you want to hold on to a certain amount Always of bennies have some to around. make sure that you can soak the necessary damage and not yes. die. Um, yes. And that's not to say you can't roll without it. But again, 
you really want to not die, so you keep a few bennies in reserve. So it's it's yeah. So it becomes it a mechanical with, thing, also. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough with bennies because it, it's tough with bennies, much like in uh, Numenera, it's tough with experience points because yes. um, experience points are both rerolls or their advancement. And which one do you want? To, which one do you want to use? Actually, Oof. I should say that's a bit oversimplified. Um, in the second edition Numenera, there are even uh, there are even more narrative things you can do, narrative and mechanical things you can do with experience points besides just reroll that are actually pretty interesting. But also, you could then. But that's use them also for your advancement. advancement. Yeah. So it actually ah. makes it worse because there's actually like some more options where it's like, like hmm, oh gosh. do I want to have that skill for the rest of like for the rest of the scene or scenario? Do I want to bring this like? piece of narration in or do i want to um level like level up one of my powers or something um you know later and and those are tough decisions so oh, yeah be, be aware of be, how your economy works that would be analysis paralysis for me a lot <laughs> oh yeah i mean i love playing numenera because numenera is nothing but a whole set of um it, it, it's it's resource, difficult decisions difficult, resource management it's resource management with difficult decisions yeah all right Interesting. cool Take it to the last part of this. Right. This one is important, and it is related to the last one that I talked about, but it is kind of the key, right? You have to make it safe to play narratively at your table. And what I mean by that is, I mean, there's a, I mean, we've talked about safety before. We can talk about safety again. Um, That is for humans and it should be your priority, right? But what I'm actually talking about when I talk about making narrative play safe is the opposite of rewarding someone for narration. You can't penalize them specifically for doing something narrative, Right. Like if you always punish players for their characters making decisions which may not be super strategically sound in the game or like from a meta viewpoint, but are strategically sound for their characters to be making. But like you're just like, oh, you're making that terrible decision. Cool. You fall down a well and die. Like if you react to them making that kind of narrative decision with, um, you know, extreme or punitive um, action as a GM, they will not do it because that is not how they keep their characters alive, right? Like, so there has to be trust between the players and the GM that the players can take narrative actions in the game and that it will not unduly adversely affect their character, Right. And and I have to say unduly because if you're you know, if the character does something <coughs> really not smart, you know, then like there's gonna be and you already set up that trap, you know, a year ago when you drew this dungeon out or whatever it is, right? Like that trap is still gonna be there. I'm not saying you can't um make things happen, but I am saying don't specifically penalize them for their narrative actions. Oh yeah. Um that because that's a thing sometimes, right? Yeah, you're when not someone gonna, makes you're an interesting gonna, uh, choice, yeah, you're not going to incentivize anyone if you turn around and slap them with disadvantage for yeah. for their narration or lack of narration, right? Like yes, that like that's not the goal here, right? If we're decrunchifying, we are incentivizing. Um, and you're right, like we, you know, in a game that is, um, especially a game that's like about attrition of of uh, you know, like. 
um, where combat is a thing of attrition where we're trying to run somebody out of points or whatever. Right. Um, no one wants to do a thing that's going to cost them more points, right? So yes. really what we're talking about here is neutral to positive. Right. Yep. We got to be neutral to positive. Um, like maybe your description's okay, but it doesn't really earn you anything. Right. Like it's good, you know, because, and I guess this is the thing that we didn't, we also didn't make clear earlier. You don't reward every description. Yeah, not every single like one. Like you reward the good ones. The good ones. <laughs> um, but if a player gets really good at making descriptions, like, then you don't reward every one of them. You give out the reward, like, when, like, you know, occasionally. Um, right. But again, I would really epic or whatever. Right. I would also say then, like, and again, this is from a safety point of view. Neutral or positive, not n- any negatives. Like you don't. Right. Like oh, your description really sucked. Um, so, so take this get, massive penalty because right, you, know, you get a disadvantage. Right. On your role because and now your I'm description gonna crush sucked. You. Yeah. And I'm going to murder you? No. Yeah. Um, you made a narrative decision to go into town, even though, like, you as a player might have a whiff that something is terribly wrong in town, but you as a character absolutely do not. Do I punish you for the decision to walk into the den of zombies? Um, not punitively, right? Like, there's probably going to be a problem when you get into town and it's just, you know, zombies instead of townspeople, right? But, like... Am I going to ambush you with zombies to make sure that you die and can't get back to the rest of your party? That's punitive. I, I believe right? like, this was a previous episode. I can't remember really? if it was, was here it? on suboptimal <laughs> play. Right, 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 right. We did talk about suboptimal play at some point. Right. And, we also and, have a really fantastic topic that someday we're going to talk about, but we both haven't had the brain space for it. Not um, about close. like cool games, games where it's more fun to fail, which is cool because it's a really cool topic, but it is one we have to think about really oh. hard. Okay, on that, I'm going to move us along to the last, yeah, our last point, and then we can get yeah. ready to close out the episode. Sure. Um, there are some downsides to decrunchifying. Um, the uh it's not all roses here just you know like increasing the amount of narrative during the crunchy parts of your game does does have some effects i'm actually going to mention one that i didn't even have here on the list which is sure um you might not actually so you may move the the um the pie wedge size in our little you know pie thing but you may actually get less stuff done yes (laughs) <laughs> yes. So yes, like yes, you added twenty percent, and I'm just using this arbitrarily, twenty percent more narration to your game, but you also like moved twenty percent less story, right? You were like twenty yes. percent less productive. Yes. Um because you you because because of, and I'll just I'll go right into the first one, because in most cases when you are, especially in combat, when you are adding narration, you are increasing latency. Yeah, so this is, here's my real life example for this, right? Um, Our Traveling Home is intended as a game to be played as a short campaign for like one long to maybe two to three-ish sessions really is the sweet spot for this game, right? And my crew, where we over narrate everything, we played this game for six months, right? So like, A, the latency (laughs) increases, 
<laughs> because we're discussing, you know, next scenes or whatever, but also be like, we increased the narration in an already narrative game significantly, and it made the game last for like 10 sessions because we missed a couple for Christmas and stuff, but it was quite long, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, definitely a thing. Um, yeah. So again, you're messing with latency with this. And when you mess with latency, you are going to increase the amount of time it takes to get through a uh, given turn, through a combat, et cetera, et cetera, which means that you are probably moving less story. Yes. Um, so yes, more narration, but maybe at the cost of less story. Um, the next the next problem might be that um, before you do this, check with your group. Yeah. Uh, you may be in the middle of that spectrum where you like a little crunch with your narration. Let's make sure that everyone else in the group is in the same place you are before you roll out your plan to decrunchify the game. You might be actually taking away from somebody else's primary enjoyment of the game. Yes. Um, like there may be people who are just there to roll some dice and move some minis around on the battle grid and don't really want to talk any like, you know, what their character is doing during combat. They want to just move their mini around and do stuff again. Totally valid. But if you're just suddenly like, hey, guess what? We're decrunchifying this game. We're going to do a whole bunch of narration. Now, suddenly these people might be like, wait, but that's but not that's, my primary enjoyment of this game. Yeah, but that's what I like to do. Right. Yeah. Or maybe I don't like doing narration. I really specifically don't. Don't right. make me. Exactly. Okay, so that, that that's another pitfall. Um, take the next one. Cool. Uh, the next one is learning curve. Um, so just like a lot of little pieces of narrative gaming, description is something that, um, you. I mean, it's a skill, right? It's a skill that you can learn. And it is you know, something that you can improv. So this is where I like to pitch um, Improv for Gamers, as always, which is a lovely book by Karen Twelves that has a lot of games in it that you can use to practice your improv skin, um, skills and help you yep. get better. Um, some of them are very specifically about describing things, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that's a thing, like, before you, like, you know, if you're jumping into this and, like, let's say everybody's on board, just recognize that, like, some people are going to have to learn up on this. Yeah. Um, and this is where, again... Po this is where neutral to positive yeah. incentivizes learning yes. as opposed to um, as opposed to any kind of negative. All yes. right. Last <laughs> one I'm going to bring up before we close out the show is uh, consistency. Um, mm -hmm. If you're going to do this, um, figure out and you'll have to, you know, this will take a couple sessions, but you want to be consistent about it. You want it to happen um not just in this game, but then it didn't happen in the next game. And then it happens in the other game. Like that's, that's kind of jarring to people. Like you're having trouble managing expectations. Like, Oh, are we supposed to be narrative? But last week, like we all just like ran our stuff and it was fine. But now he's being like, now, now Phil wants us to be narrative again. Like you need to like be consistent. Right. So, um, you're going to, it'll, you know, you want to do it every session and then from that, you're going to want to find that happy medium, like how much narration still lets us get through combat in a timely manner. Yep. Right. Maybe it's not every action. Maybe it's every couple actions. Maybe it's just really cool finishing blows, things like that. Yeah. Um, you'll find it. You'll find that equilibrium. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. All right. With that, let us close out the topic. 
Mm-hmm. Tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network, and then we're going to run right into the closing, and then I swear I'm going to try to get some sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping so. Okay, cool. Um, So tonight I'm going to tell you about Mastering Dungeons. On Mastering Dungeons, RPG veterans and game designers Teo Sabadia and Sean Merwin look at the game and the hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teo's cover topics of interest to you rockin say senda where do people find us on the internet uh you can find us on twitter at pandas talk games you can find us in the misdirected mark forums which is forums.misdirectedmark.com or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com and phil once they find us in one of those places what can they do with that information like ryan bolter did today uh give us a topic uh, boy, make up a word. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Apparently up a, making up making up words is really big around well, here. Well, I like defining things, so if you're going to make up a word, I'm going to stick a definition on it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, send us your topic. Um, it's really what this whole show's about. Um, we really pride ourselves on not uh, coming up with our own gaming topics uh, because... Which we could do, right? Like, we could just, like, do our own stuff. But that would only serve, like, us and then tangentially would serve you guys. What's better is if you give us topics, then we can talk about things that are relevant to you to help you make more better games. Mm -hmm. That is what we're here for. So keep up those topics. Send them in. Um, You know the drill. Send whatever it is, a question, a topic, a thing you want to hear us talk about, whatever. We'll work our like we'll work it into a show. We are super good at that at this five seasons in. We are super good at turning Jeez. out a show from an idea. Still can't believe that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Please do that. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Slack Room for Life, the Bamboo Lounge, the bonus outtake. I'm sorry, the Bamboo Lounge and the after show from the Misdirected Mark. Um, those are just cool things. The Slack Room is really where it's at. Um, the Slack Room is full of cool peeps um, chatting away. Uh, if you want to hear Bob from the Misdirected Mark grumble, um, you get a lot of that. He's been very grumbly recently. He's been grumbly recently. He's had a lot going on. He's, he's yeah, just, yeah. he's, he's kind of grumbly. Um, yep. if you want to see some amazing, like pictures of delicious foods, like PK Sullivan's mm-hmm. cooking, um, as well as a number of other people, we have the, the misdirected Mark community has some very good cooks in it. Um, my co-host included. <laughs> I um, made ice cream. You've made all sorts of things. Breads, I do make all sorts ice of cream. Things. You make lots of things. Um, Anyway, um, the, the Slack room is really cool. Um, there are other stuff that we that we do with our patrons. Uh, a lot of it we haven't done because of the um, pandemic, but as that is kind of um, hopefully waning, maybe we'll see some more of that stuff coming in the future. Uh, but I don't like to promise that stuff up front now because um, really we're um, we're still kind of in that late pandemic phase. We're still not quite switched over. Anyway. Um, your patronage goes a long way. Um, it helps us do pretty much everything about this network. It allows us to um, host our stuff, back it up. It allows us to help other shows get started, like they're a super geek. Um, all of those things are all possible because you all uh, support the show and the network. So we're eternally uh, grateful for that. If you are already supporting the Patreon, we thank you very much. If you are unable to support the Patreon, we totally understand 
Uh, but we do ask, there's another thing you can do, which is refer, refer, refer us. Um, it's so important. Um, we need to get out there and we need other gamers to know about us. And we just can't know everybody ourselves. So we need you to jump out there. And one of the easiest ways to do this, and this is like the least effort, but still has a huge impact is anytime you see a question on social media roll by about like, Hey, what's a cool podcast I could listen to. If you just put our names down, it helps whether the person who asked the question winds up listening to us or the 30th person who reads that thread is like, hmm, what's this Pandas game like show? And then like clicks in is like, Ooh, that sounds interesting. And then like, boom. And I know this is true because some of you, that's how you found us. <laughs> yes, it is. Some of you found <laughs> us based on someone else saying, boy, that show is cool. And you were like, let me look. And then you were like, Oh damn, it oh, is no. pretty cool. Yeah, and then you started um, listening and you fell into the if you listen, you will love us trap. Yes, exactly. Like, so that's that's really what we need. Like, I can't stress it enough. And really the lowest effort. I mean, like, look, we would hope you would tell your friends and stuff like that. But really, if you just see that thing rolling by on, on social media and you just hit it with an app pandas talk games or whatever, like just drop a link to our show, whatever, just like bam, like it's so helpful. So helpful. Um and I see that question like almost every like so it, it, often. Yeah. Oh, it's so often, and and it's not. And look, I, it's fine. There are people out there who are just suddenly are like, oh, I'm in. You know, like I I want to, you know, listen up on some role playing stuff. Like, man, just boop, hit us up on that. <laughs> you can there's also another, <laughs> there's another thing you can do. It is less personal. I don't know how much it it really helps. It definitely does not hurt us. Um, and it's if, cool, and we get to read them. Yeah, so go ahead. Tell us what that is. Yeah, yeah. So you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get hopefully finds new helps new people find us. But gosh, even if it doesn't, it sure makes us feel happy and warm and fuzzy inside. So thank you so very, very much to everybody who already left a review. They, like, make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. That's Absolutely. it. That's Absolutely. all I got. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, say, Cinda, um, do you want to show me um, the uh, matrix, the attack matrix for uh, this game? <laughs> no. Show me what you got. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. There we go. Waveforms. Waveforms. <laughs> this place is getting... A little sparse and <coughs> hard to yeah, ad- hard to adjust to. Sorry, you're missing your armrest table. Yes, well, it's in good use, but now my normal uh, queer, I can't sit straight in a chair thing is greatly impeded by the fact that I can't lean on the. <laughs> There's no direct no place for you to go but straight <sighs> in the chair. <laughs> that is not an option. 
Okay. Well, we're going to have to be quick then <laughs> before you end up on the floor I'm, or like draped over it on your stomach or something. I'm, I'm too queer to sit properly in this chair, but I also have no support now to not sit properly in this chair. This upsets me greatly. All right. Good. We should do a we show. We need to do show, showy things. Showy things. Uh, hang on a second. Let me drink a quick sip of water. Yep. Yep, I think I have tea. Ooh. Ooh. Tea. Tea. That mug's cool. Yeah, I like it. I know where its matching one is. <laughs> I haven't retrieved it yet, but I know where it is. Yeah, I know. You'll get it, you know, someday. Someday. Hopefully someday just to get my stuff someday. and bring it to my place. Yeah, 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 no. no. I don't want to go. <laughs> Ain't nobody wants to work in the office. Jeez. Work in the office is for suckers. <sighs> oh, sorry. All right. It's late. All right. It is late. I am tired, but it is necessary for us to be late, which was a whole other thing. Okay. Ready? Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Wait, time down. <laughs>